What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This is our fifth episode, and this week we are going to be analyzing the Barbosa versus Chickadee card going down this Saturday night. And it's a pretty weak card, but we're still going to be talking about some good betting spots on this. Uh, Ozzy and I definitely have some some strong leans on a few fights here. And uh, how you doing this week, Ozzy? Really, really well. Uh, you know, fresh off uh, Bet Bash last night. Uh, ended up being a four-hour open bar, so I'm, you, you know, just glad to still be alive here. Um, and you know, rolling in from you know, real nice, profitable uh, weekend last week. Uh, over five units uh, profit. Re- you know, top to bottom, I think we had uh, you know some excellent reads. You know, all over the card. Only bad ones, I would say personally, would be the you know Palatnikov um, loss on that, and uh, you know the Kelleher read. Although I didn't didn't fade Kelleher there, and then my heart got ripped out of me by uh, you know I had Bahamandes by decision, and you know that bastard had to you know show off and you know get that bonus. But good for him. I love seeing my Latino boys you know dominating and uh, cashing big <laughs> checks. So you know hopefully we'll you know see him in the future in uh, in some you know bigger spots uh, because of that. Yeah, once we saw Joe Martinez was announcing that night, we knew Bahamandez was a pretty much lock. And uh, yeah, that was a really good card last week, though. Some some exciting knockouts, some pretty competitive fights. Parker Porter came through as big, uh, cashing as the biggest underdog. And yeah, last week's podcast was really accurate. I picked eight out of 12 fights correctly, so I'm sure... 75 to 80 percent of the entire information on last week's podcast was pretty accurate 2.23 unit profit for me i've profited in three out of four of our podcasts and ozzy has profited in all four of our podcasts so we're giving away a lot of winning bets on here and we're hope hoping you're making some money along with it so uh what are your overall thoughts about the card this week uh ozzy you, you think it's weak like i do or you know is it still a little promising yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely weak um, overall. You know, I, 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 there's definitely a lot of spots that I do like for the most part. But, I mean, th- you know, th- this Sam out, Al- like, they got Sam Alvey and Terman fighting. Like, I just feel like it's just an awful fight. There's some other, you know, exciting fighters on there, like GM3's here. He's a four and a half to one underdog, which is kind of crazy, you know, to think in retrospect. But um, just top, I don't, I don't really love the matchmaking this week. But I, you know, I'm looking forward to D Rod versus Kevin Lee. I'm looking forward to the bantamweight uh, finale, and then obviously we got Buzz, uh, Buzzsaw Barboza versus uh, Giga. Definitely a, a great fight there. But you know, matchmaking this week, I think a little weak. Um, I'm looking forward a little bit to you know going forward. But you know, they're dealing with so many COVID cancellations, visa stuff. Like you know, people are. Super side bombing nowadays so it's crazy world going on right now man yep yep i agree with that and with that being said let's get into the first fight bantamweight division we got mana martinez making his ufc debut as the minus 280 favorite over the 40 year old bantamweight guido canetti uh you can start this one off ozzy uh what are your thoughts on the newcomer mana martinez yeah, man. So Mana, you know, I got my first introduction to him when he took took on Draco and got caught in, you know, that ridiculous triangle choke uh, a few years back. He's since then been, you know, putting dudes to sleep left and right. And, you know, the guy's definitely got some power in his hands. Um, you know, the the action, though, has been coming in on Guido Canetti, uh, you know, this whole week. I think he was, you know, upwards of plus uh, 300, at, you know, at one point or no, I guess not. Maybe like, you know, upper upwards of uh, plus 280. But um. You know, Guido's, I think, you know, and really, really old. You know, he's very old for this division. 
uh, Mana, you know, trains uh, down in Texas with uh, Adrian Yanez. Uh, he lost his coach, RIP, to Sal Solis, I think is how you pronounce his name. So that was his, his head corner man. And he was supposed to be fighting last week against uh, Trevin Jones. So that might have been a uh, reason why. Uh, he, you know, he got pushed back, but I think this guy, he, he, I think he has a hard time making the 135 division. He hasn't really been to many decisions, which I don't love to see a lot of times, uh, from a young guy coming into the UFC, but he's against Guido who Guido, you know, he's fought some, some good competition in the UFC. He hasn't done well at all. Um, and I think he's been, he's been fighting in Argentina or training in Argentina. So I'm not sure what his preparation is going to, is going to be like here, but you know, I think Guido has maybe a little bit of upside. I think that's why you, you're seeing that, that action come in on, on him, uh, you know, here mana, you know, I, I just don't think he's very trustworthy because he does have a big left hand, you know, and some power there, but you, you, you really unsure about his overall game. Um, Guido, I think if he can extend this fight a little bit, I mean, his cardio look, look has looked pretty bad as well. So I'm not really interested in taking a shot on either side. I think, um, you know, I think it's mostly a crapshoot here. You could, I could see them grappling a little bit. Maybe Guido trying to, you know, clinch up with him and maybe even take him down at some point because Mana does have, you know, maybe a little bit of a suspect ground game and, you know, and is definitely only looking to throw hands. But it's definitely a big, you know, a, a big over uh, overall pass for me. Um, I don't really see value on, you know, anywhere here. But I can't blame someone for, you know, thinking that Guido could uh, maybe, you know, take out this young bull. Yeah, maybe earlier in the week when Kennedy was plus 290, plus 270, he would have been worth a bet. Where it's at now, I agree, it is kind of past territory. Uh, Martinez definitely has some power in his left hand. He folded a lot of opponents on tape with that left hand, and he seems to be a pretty decent boxer overall. But you mentioned a great point, has never really won a decision, I think. He's untested late in fights. And he's had some questionable grappling uh, sequences as well. I saw him jump guillotine and spend a few minutes on his back. And the one fight where he was uh, going to the decision against a guy named Perry three or four years ago, there was a lot of sloppy grappling in that fight. And he definitely lost a lot of composure and power once the fight gets extended past that few minutes. So, Kennedy, I don't, or excuse me, Martinez, I don't think he's going to have a lot of success in the UFC overall, but. Uh, in this fight, I think it is definitely a winnable matchup. He's a, got a 41, 42-year-old band weight ahead of him. Pretty hittable, been knocked out in both of his recent fights. Uh, he didn't get officially knocked out versus Marlon Vera, but, I mean, he got his ass whooped in that fight uh, and took a lot of damage. Uh, and you really never know how he's going to look at 42 years old. But the guy's also got a sneaky left hand of his own. Uh, he's a decent overall grappler. I think he's a decent fighter everywhere. So... Uh, Kennedy is definitely the side. If there is one at this point, I wouldn't be laying that heavy chalk on Martinez. Uh, it's probably likely that Martinez just clocks him and knocks him out in round one. But if Kennedy can survive that early storm, get this fight into the grappling, get the fight into rounds two or three, he's got a good chance to pull off the upset. So I'll be cheering for the old gun here, uh, Kennedy, but not too much faith in him actually pulling off the victory. Um, so I guess Martinez knockout is going to be the pick. And the next fight, we have a good matchup in the featherweight division. This fight deserves to be a little bit higher on the card. We got uh, Jamal Emers as the minus 149 favorite, Pat Sabatini plus 129. Uh, I'll start this one off. Uh, Sabatini is a Philly guy, made a successful debut in his uh, UFC for, uh, debut against Tristan Connolly. I thought he played that fight pretty safe. Didn't really take any risk there. Kind of took round three off, and uh, I think he lost round three on two out of three scorecards which isn't a good sign. I mean, he was dominating that fight for the first two, three rounds. You'd like to see him pour it on a little bit more and show some more layers to his game. But 
he's definitely primarily a grappler. He's a good wrestler. He's got better jiu-jitsu than Jamal Embers does. So if this fight ends up on the floor, I think we're going to see Sabatini be the one keep top position. If Ember somehow gets a takedown, I think he's going to be very live to get reversed or possibly even submitted off his back. Sabatini's got good jujitsu off of his back. And the striking definitely has to favor the longer, bigger guy in Jamal Emmers. He's got a lot more proven striking tape out there. He put a complete beating on Cachero in his last fight. But uh, again, kind of a concerning performance. I mean, he whooped uh, Cachero's ass for the first eight or nine minutes of that fight, but then wasn't able to finish him and then just resorted to dominating in the wrestling. I mean, he definitely... 30 25 him in that fight but a short notice bantamweight who's not really good moving up uh to 145 you'd expect emers to get him out of there with the finish but he still wasn't able to finish him so i think emers is going to be kind of a decision type of fighter throughout his entire career um and i definitely favor him in the striking here but if this fight gets into the grappling like i said i favor sabatini i think he's the better overall grappler he's got the better jujitsu of the two so at this price i'd say it's dog or pass i'm leaning towards sabatini at this price the people who got in on emmers when he was minus 110 minus 108 those do seem to be good bets the market's agreeing with you but i'm not so sure i'm not sold on emmers yet he doesn't have quite enough UFC experience to be laying this chalk. So uh, I think Sabatini's submission here plus 600 is a pretty live bet. And uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Ozzy? Yeah, so I got a lot of thoughts on this one. I know Sabatini pretty well. Um, I, I actually competed against him when I was, you know, really, really young. I was like still a blue belt. And this is right before anyone, I think anyone knew who Sabatini was. He went in through this Naga division ripped through everybody including me in the first round and uh i'm like who the hell is this guy he wins the division two months later i'm at nogi pan ams in new york and uh i look over the brown belt division and this guy's murdering everybody and beats i think gianni grippo in the finals i'm like holy shit this dude's the real deal so you know sabatini parlayed that uh you know into you know starting his uh, mma career and he's always had the reputation of being a really strong grappler, tenacious, uh, you know, a, a, an above average wrestler that, uh, you know, that could go anywhere. You know, this guy can, you know, submit you from anywhere. He's versed in leg locks. He's been training all, you know, all the time. He trains in Philly at, you know, I, I would probably say the best gym uh, over there. Um, but I'd say, you know, definitely some criticism on, criticism on him is some, his strength of schedule, maybe a little bit, uh, in CFFC wasn't, you know, wasn't the best overall. Like he, you know, he fought some solid guys for sure, but Emmers has definitely fought a uh, better competition, uh, overall than, than Sabatini has, but Emmers has been, you know, in the fight game for a long time. Uh, you know, the, when I'm looking at some of Emmers's tape, you know, I just don't like what I see when in, in a matchup against, uh, Pat I think both these guys will be very successful in the UFC. Like the Duffy win both fights uh, going forward. But Emmers, I was seeing, you know, let's just go to that Vince Cachero fight. He's given up underhooks uh, very often. Uh, Cachero is getting up from bottom, uh, you know, I think in that third round and, you know, maybe even in the second round when uh, Emmers has, takes him down. Sometimes they're in a clinch, like I said. Uh, Cachero is getting underhooks. He's backing uh, Emmers up at some points, like putting Emmers against the fence. And Cachero is a 135er. You saw what what happened when he he locked up with Ronnie, Ronnie Lawrence. Ronnie Lawrence completely dominated him uh, and, you know, progressed position to mount and, you know, dominant positions and put a hurt in 
on this guy. So, you know, I think that 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 fight against Emers was was really weird, uh, you know, to, to kind of just look at it and the, just the tendencies I didn't like. Emers definitely has a hard time making 145 in that fight. He, he couldn't even make make it out to the cage against Skelly because he was saying whatever he hurt his back, this or that. I'm telling you right now as a guy who, who, who used to cut, you know, a decent amount of weight to make 145, you know, it's 100% his, you know, his body was shutting down on him because uh, he was cutting so much weight. So, you know, Pat could probably maybe, you know, if he was, you know, went all out, can pr make 135. But at 145, his conditioning should be solid. I think he had some UFC jitters in that fight against Connolly. It was, you know, in that packed arena down in Jacksonville. Um, but, you know, he dominated, you know, Connolly overall. So I think we'll see a better performance in this uh, fight uh, by Sabatini. I think he's going to be able to, you know, Emmers. I think Emmers will have a strong round one. You know, he'll come out. You know, you even saw it in that Conchero fight. He's using his jab. He's staying behind it a little bit. But he throws a ton of naked kicks. He he start, he tries to throw, like, these step-in knees that could, I guess, work here against Pat if Pat is, like, ducking down. But all the naked kicks, you know, Pat's going to be able to to get this guy's legs. And I think if he locks his hands around Emmers, like, there, I don't think there's a strength disadvantage here for uh, Sabatini here. And I think if he's able to lock his hands around Emmers, Emmers is going down. Um, I, you know, I, I know he's like a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, but there's, th th there's, there's a substantial difference here uh, in the ground game, in my opinion. And I think that the the tenaciousness and the activity uh, that Sabatini, because Sabatini is a smart guy, man. I think he knows how he needs to win this fight. And I think if he's able to put Emers on his back, I think Emers is going to be in trouble because Emers knows the moves, knows the movements, and you know this or that. But I see just some holes overall in in his approach and how he links together some of these techniques. And I feel he's he's a big bully, man. Overall, uh, you know, when if he if he is faced with a little bit of adversity from a guy who's you know on his level i think there's a you know potential for him to wilt and i know sabatini is not going to go away so you know the the line early on at my at, at pick and price i think definitely uh there was value on emmers i did you know i did pick up a little bit of that uh, on him but now you know you're seeing a little bit of buyback i i know one of my guys that uh that that got in on this line he he did a little bit of buyback on Sabatini around plus 135 the line sitting at plus 130 now and you know I'm interested I I don't know if I'm gonna pull the trigger yet I think uh Emmers is very very likely to be a popular parlay you know short favorite parlay uh you know option for a lot of people but I just really don't believe it this is a good matchup for him overall because uh you know he's willing to grapple I'm telling you you know he he'll probably think that he that's the thing I think he will believe that he is either a better grappler or he can do some stuff whatever it is and I think he'll lock up with Pat and we'll see what happens so I'm not super confident because I am you know I do think uh uh Emmers has some good attributes and he's a pretty well-rounded fighter you know he's not terrible but I think in this fight Sabatini has a better shot than a lot of people are uh, are giving him but you know I'm hoping this line keeps uh, going up I do think that submission prop has value because if you know Pat is a hammer on top and uh and he's looking to submit you you know he's not looking to 
uh, you know, he doesn't look for a ton of ground and pound. I think that might be to his detriment in winning a decision here. But uh, I think he he will be looking to progress position to submit uh, uh, Emmers, and you know we'll see we'll see what uh you see we'll see what comes about. But at plus one thirty, you know I I wouldn't lay the chalk now on um on Emmers. I think that line is gone. But you know I think this is a great fight. I think it'll be really entertaining, and uh you know I want to see uh, I'm hoping to see some uh, improvements uh from Pat here. Yeah, good points there uh, about Emmer's knees. Uh, he likes going for that plum, and that could open up some t- uh, possibilities from takedowns here. Uh, yeah, good points, and we're in agreement there. I also think that uh, Sabatini no scorecards at even money is a p- potentially good spot here. I don't see Emmer's finishing Sabatini. Well, I think Sabatini has more uh, finishing upside. Um, third by- best fight on the card, and it's all the way down here, so they're doing these guys a bit of injustice. The worst fight on the card is coming up next. Women's flyweight division. We've got J.J. Aldrich as the minus 425 favorite. Did you ever think you would hear that in your lifetime? Taking on Vanessa Demopoulos is the plus 325 underdog. Um, I'll start this one. Um, yeah, I'll start this one off. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I mean, I think Aldrich is is sloppy enough everywhere that she can still make this fight competitive. I mean, I don't think Demopoulos is good at anything. Uh, she got dominated by McKenna on the Contender Series. I don't think she's a good striker. I don't think she's a good grappler. Demopoulos is probably going to need a kind of a miracle finish if she wants to win. But still, Aldrich at minus 400, there's no way you could be even considering betting her. Um, only way I could see betting this fight is maybe a, a finish on either side uh, with Demopoulos being undersized and this being short notice. But uh, the pick is Aldrich's decision. Don't lay the chalk on this fight. Just save your money and bet it on a different spot. What are you thinking about this one, Ozzy? I mean, I've I've lost money t- to Vanessa. You know, I, I I was on her in that her contender series fight. She's doing somersaults there. Like, what you know, what the hell is going on? You know, no idea. What, you know, I thought she was going to submit uh, McKenna early on, but you know, then she started doing somersaults and you know, in, invoking her uh, other past career. And then I had a uh, you know whoever I had in the last fight, who whoever knocked her out or she knocked out, I had that girl. So I'm owing to right now betting <laughs> on. Uh, Vanessa Demopoulos's uh, fights, and uh, I, I'm not going to get involved here for sure. But you know, she's moving up to 125. I think JJ Aldrich is pretty skilled. She's one of the more skilled girls. But you know, you you saw in that Macy Barber fight, she wilts if if you hit her hard. Um, I guess maybe Vanessa has some power. I don't know. Um, I mean, laying minus 425 is insane. Like that's that's probably an even worse. That might be an even worse bet than Parker Port. I mean, than uh, Chase Sherman last week. (laughs) Just is crazy to be think that JJ Aldrich is eighty percent. You just can't trust these girls to lay chalk. But you know, some guys will say, "No, bro, I didn't. You know, I didn't lay minus four twenty five. I just put her in a three team parlay." I don't know what to tell you, man. But. In this fight, you know, I guess maybe Vanessa, you know, she has some submission game. It's just, you know, you can't trust her to do anything. If you're going to say, hey, I'm going to take a shot at this girl at plus, you know, 325 because, you know, JJ is just not that good. You know, no no harm, no foul. Um, but I would think that JJ is going to be able to keep at distance, land that left hand. You know, she has a little bit be- uh, good box, uh, decent boxing, definitely better than Vanessa's. Yeah, And maybe she could land a big punch and, you know, you know, drop Vanessa. I mean, Vanessa's pretty tough, though. But uh, you know, I'll pick JJ. But if you, you know, if you're bored and you, you know, you're watching this fight, you know, just throw like thirty bucks, I guess, on Vanessa. Excuse me, on Vanessa, and you know, see what happens. But bathroom break fight for me. 
Yeah, Aldrich knockout may be a decent prop there. Um, because I agree, she is the much better boxer. All right, next fight, you have some interest in this one. Light heavyweight fight between Dustin Jacoby as the minus 185 favorite, taking on Darren Stewart as the plus 160 dog. I'll let you start this one off, Ozzy. What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, man, I just find Darren Stewart to just be a real funny dude. Like, just check out his Instagram and, you know, some of the workouts and some of the stuff that he he does. Like, just a, a weird dude. Going up to, one, to 205 here. Not like he had that much success at 185. You know, the guy's 12 and 7. Um, you know, has lost a bunch. I mean, I was on him against Kevin Holland. I thought, honestly, he won that fight. But, you know, but it was a bunch of nonsense going on there. It was just like clinching. He was taking Holland down. You know, you know, a bunch of, you know, weird stuff going on. Guillotined uh, uh, Maki, you know, the fact that you get guillotined by, by uh, Darren Stewart. I mean, these guys, I just feel... Uh, Jacoby is, you know, he has pretty good striking, former glory kickboxer, uses those tools pretty well. You know, he 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 has connection between uh, a lot of his strikes. You know, he'll throw, he'll jab, he'll set up his right hand, he'll set up his low kick, you know, he'll throw in combinations uh, every now and then. And then, you know, he has uh, experience, obviously, going, uh, going all three rounds. Uh, he has a little bit of a reach advantage uh, here as well. Um, and I just think that Darren Stewart, you know, a lot of his offense – outside is very ineffective you saw that in in the uh eric anders fight where i I think he landed a few takedowns which was a little bit surprising to me landed a few takedowns but he he has no jujitsu game uh or like real control game on top uh and then on on the feet he he, like he has no range finders i guess he he might hit a bit hard you know he, he he he's a little bit explosive i guess early on but he throws like these bullshit kicks I just don't think this guy's a really good fighter. I He should not be a UFC 205-er. Like, there's no way. And I think Jacoby has some upside in his career. You know, that, that Ian Kutalaba fight, uh, he was in it, you know, the whole time. Like, I guess, you know, he was getting taken down and held down and tight-waisted by Kutalaba and smashed with, with those elbows. But, you know, the guy doesn't quit. He's pretty tough. Uh, you know, I think he, he does slow down a bit. And, you know, I think people saw that in that Max Grisham fight, especially, but you know, he, he, he's there, he has the game plan going in. Uh, he's training at elevation as well at team elevation, I believe, uh, or maybe factory X. I don't know. One of the places in, in Colorado, uh, with a lot of good training partners. And I just think he's a better fighter than Darren Stewart. So I'm interested in him. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you, I bet that the line dropped like minus 165. I took a little bit of that. Uh, I mean, we're seeing where the line progresses here, but I just don't think Darren Stewart's a UFC level the guy. His win condition is probably like just, you know, clinching and tying up uh, Jacoby, putting him against the fence. Like, how else is he really going to beat Jacoby? You're telling me he's going to catch Jacoby with a bomb? Like, I think this guy, this guy went to like, you know, a decision against Simon Marcus and, you know, in, in glory and stuff. And the only time he's gotten knocked out, I think, is like from ground to pound, from like King Mo. Uh, so I just think that Jacoby had, you know, he, he's still, I guess, young, like he's not a young dude, but you know, I think he has some growth, uh, left in him in, in his UFC career and Darren Stewart should be gone, you know, right after this fight. Yeah, I'm in agreement with pretty much everything there. Darren Stewart can be like a decent middleweight, but he's not going to cut it at 205. Um, I mean, he loses a lot of his athleticism at 205, which is kind of his uh, biggest attribute down at 185. And Jacoby should be the better striker by a wide margin. You covered that. I don't see Stewart having the takedown ability to get him down. Jacoby's actually a decent defensive grappler. I know he got taken down a lot in his last fight, but... Uh, he did a good job getting back up to the feed. He doesn't give up compromising positions. And if I recall correctly, he got 
he got like smashed in round one versus Kudalaba there and then came back really well in rounds two and three to likely win those rounds. And I bet Jacoby in his uh, two UFC fights so far uh, got a little lucky versus Grishin, uh, betting him by decision and, you know, got a little lucky getting a push as well, uh, maybe in his last fight. But uh, I still think he is the spot here. I don't see any value on Stewart at plus 150. So I think you're on the right track, Ozzy. Um, doesn't feel great to lay chalk on uh, big guys like this, but Jacoby is pretty functional. And uh, I see him covering his price tag here. Uh, not a big knockout guy, not the biggest hitter. So this one's probably going to uh, the decision. The overs and the goes to distance are probably good spots here as well. And uh, yeah, we're in agreement with this one. We're going to move on to the next fight. In the middleweight division, we have Wellington Terman as the minus 130 favorite, taking on Sam Alvey as the plus 110 underdog. Uh, man, Sam Alvey is hasn't won a fight in his past six fights. You know, he got uh, some close fights, some split decisions in there. He had a close draw with Da Jung, but his last fight against Marquez was really concerning, in my opinion. He was dropping down to 185, cutting weight for a first time in a long time, and it showed in that fight. I mean, he got rocked with several punches by Marquez. Marquez isn't even a good striker, and I mean, he was rocking Alvey with punches left and right. Uh, and it's just crazy to see him go toe to toe with a big orthodox striker like Dot on Jung and hold his own and counter punch him. And uh, he got rocked bad in round three of that fight, but he still had a close fight. And then he gets just completely blown out of the water by Marquez in his last fight. I think that was a clear indicator that this middleweight weight cut for him is just not the right move at this time. But the same could be said about his opponent, Terman, uh, getting brutally knocked out in back to back fights. Uh, I mean, both those knockouts were just absolutely vicious where his head is like bouncing off the canvas, just eating shots while he's unconscious. So the guy might never be the same. Uh, he's taken some pretty irre irreversible damage. Um, but the striking here favors Alvi. The, the grappling favors Terman. Uh, Alvi is still a pretty tough guy to take down. Um, so I think Terman's probably going to have a difficulty uh, getting really dominant positions on Alvi, uh, especially after round one where Terman's probably going to slow down. So I kind of lean Alvi here. I don't feel good about betting either one of these guys. I mean, I mean the money line is probably about right where it's at just because Terman hasn't lost six fights in a row, honestly. And uh, like I said, it just feels really hard to, to justify a bet on either side here. So I'll slightly lean with Alvi, but I'd say the, the GTD and overs again are probably the best bets here. Um, so what are you thinking about this shit show, Ozzy? Yeah, man. You, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there when, you know, talking about that weight cut down to, to 85 uh, for Alvi. I was on him against Marquez. I, I felt pretty good about it. And I was just surprised at how he looked. He just, you know, looked super off. Um, I think he did an interview before that he said he was at like 230. I don't know. He was like super fat and like he had to cut that weight down in like two months or something like that. But you know, just let me just touch on Terman, you know, first. Um, I've faded Terman in every one of his UFC fights uh, so far. Um, you know, I think the Marcus Perez one was the only one that we lost there. Um, and, you know, off of that fight, you get an inflated line on Andrew Sanchez and you see some of the limitations on Terman. He's not really good at, he doesn't feel very comfortable at range, you know, striking with guys. No, um, I think that in that Bruno Silva fight, I think Bruno Silva was coming in there as kind of like an unknown quantity. Um, and I told you, I was like, ah, I think, I think, this, I think Silva, you know, could, excuse me, got a little bit of gas. Uh, it, you know, Silva is was more solid. I think he he um he was off for like two years there. Um, and you saw what happened there when Terman started taking some clean shots to the grill. You know, got completely turned off. That was a super bad knockout. Uh, and he's back. 
uh, soon. You know, like Just nine a months ten, later, nine and a half weeks. Uh, you know, after that, so that, that's terrible. Um, you know, I guess, you know, if I'm looking at the fight, you know, I, I think there's some Sam Alvey love because if you're thinking about Terman's, uh, you know, his strategy is going to be, you know, close the distance, probably, you know, try to, you know, probably cage, huh, you know, clinch, uh, look, look to get takedowns. But Sam Alvey likes that because when you're coming in on him, that's when he can, you know, pivot out a little bit, throw that right hook, throw that left hand, you know, following it. And, you know, he had success with it in, you know, at, at light heavyweight like that, the Jung fight, uh, was an awesome fight you know i was watching that live i remember and i was uh, seeing and i'm like hey you know alvey's gonna land his left hand just because he knows sam alvey's such a crafty dude he knows like the angles that he needs to take he knows uh that he needs to beat that out that uh inside that shoulder you know depending on what punch you could call, call it inside shoulder outside shoulder depending on what punch he wants to land whether it be his left or his right hand he knows where to be and Terman, i think does not know uh he's nowhere near that level of striking but it's really hard for me to trust sam alvey uh because i you know i've definitely been losing on the guy like for sure you know um uh, but you know, Terman does not inspire any confidence to me. I think if they're striking the whole time, I think Sam Alvey probably wins. Uh, but I would think that if if Sam Alvey's still compromised off that weight cut and he's coming in, and he hasn't you know been staying in shape and stuff. Terman probably does get you know a takedown here. I mean, Alvey's notoriously very difficult uh, to take down. But the thing is, he's always able to like be against the fence and using that to like keep himself up. So Terman, if I was Terman, I'd be um. You know, my strategy would be to try to get a double leg where I'm scooping this motherfucker up or I'm getting a single leg and I'm pulling him away from the cage. And, uh, you know, this, you know, uh, Sam Alvey's not very athletic. So, you know, he, you know, he could put, the, put him down there, but I think, I don't know what the under is. What's the under here? Cause Minus I just, 125. I just one twenty five. You know, I don't like laying that juice there on that. You know, because I guess like, you know, tournament, I don't think it really finish, uh, Alvey with strikes, but I feel like, um, you know, both, both, like you said, you know, uh, Terman just got, uh, finished both his last two fights. Uh, what's his name? Alvi hasn't gotten a, a, a win check in, you know, years since 2018. So his family's probably, you know, he's got a lot of kids. He's got a, a, a <laughs> supermodel wife, you know, low key. Nobody knows that Alvi's wife won America's top model. Um, so they're probably, you know, they, they probably want, uh, you know, want a bonus check. So I think that under might be fun, uh, to do. I, I prefer that than picking either side, uh, you know, on, on this fight because like, I just can't trust either of these dudes to implement it more, but I would probably lean Alvi, uh, if I was like forced to make a pick just cause I, I just don't feel the tournament. I, I've never, I never thought tournament was, was legit at all. Um, and yeah, so I, I guess I'll pick Sam Alvey here. Um, you know, maybe by by knockout, you know, you know, blanding a, a punch on his chin. But you know, I think I might lean over to that under. Yeah, Alvey plus three hundred knockout. Never been a great round winner. That's probably the the best bet on Alvey there. And uh, you're thinking under. I'm thinking over. I think there's going to be a lot of clinching, a lot of cage pushing in this fight, and I think it's going to actually go the distance. Um, bringing us along to another glorious fight in the middleweight division, we have. Uh, Alessio DeKirko versus Abdul Razak Al Hassan. We got DeKirko minus two thirty five, Razak plus two hundred. Uh, uh, you can I'll take this one for yeah, yeah sure. 
so the chair goes off that win against um you know buckley where you know i was on him there you know i think that was a super good spot for him here though al hassan man he shit the bed for people last time who were dumb enough to lay whatever the hell chalk he was at against uh robert whitaker's boy and you know that was just like an easy bet to you know hope that he has some grappling upside and you know he made it happen but i think that fight was that fight all right that fight was at 185 so you know he's up at 185 here the chirico you know i think sometimes he i mean he's not super aggressive is 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 the thing is is how i kind of feel about him um you know he he's a little bit laid back i was i, I was on cummings pretty big against him and DeCherico has fought legit guys um at 185 but here against Al Hassan like I mean DeCherico's all like you always have thought that yo this guy has a rock for a head like you saw um uh what was it that I think Cummings hit him with like a head kick right a late and dropped him round three yeah something like that it was crazy and this guy just got it was clean on the jaw um so this guy is very tough you know you know he he's he has a really good chin but he gets hit you know i feel like i feel that his defense is not the best uh al hassan you know last time it was because he couldn't grapple right that's why you know people were kind of fading like it's always hey can this guy grapple him can this guy grapple him if not like even um uh lezez right i think he shot a few takedowns on yeah. um yeah he shot a few takedowns on him but the Cherico, I, like i don't remember him taking anybody down or looking to grapple at all so if uh, he did versus market marquez back in the day i think yeah against marquez but i just feel like he he's probably he he's not like i've never seen i've never th- thought of his uh grappling transitions as being particularly impressive uh at all i, I don't i'm not high on, on on any of his uh you know grappling abilities um and i think al hassan i i forget who he's training with but i've seen that you know he's been training uh he's got like an actual camp now here i think in the states and i think that he i mean here there's way worse spots than you could do than you know back in al hassan here at you know a plus i mean it, the, the the price is 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 uh is going up here on al hassan so it's like plus two it's plus 200 now um so people are thinking like all right like he's definitely not going to win a decision this or that but if he's got a striking uh battle with uh the Chirico, i think he could potentially find his chin here um you know i think the under is heavily favored here but i really like this is the thing we were talking about last week with uh Pilarde getting knocked out and people all of a sudden thinking kelleher is like a knockout artist i don't think that uh the Chirico necessarily has that much power in his hands uh himself so and um you know, Al Hassan got hit with that bomb by uh, by Chaos Williams, but otherwise, like you would think that he, how how you see it is, you know, he's pretty um, he's pretty durable, I guess. Like overall, I mean, that's how like he's only been, that's the only time he's been knocked out. Um, both of these guys have losing records and decisions. Al Hassan's like zero and three, I think. Uh, yeah, zero and three, and Dechirico's three and four. So, I mean, it's it's really it's pretty stupid to lay the chalk on the Chirico. i guess if you maybe got it early that's understandable but no way would i do that right now even if you're looking at his i mean it is a weird fight man i feel like this is like one of the things like weird matchmaking like i thought al hassan would have got cut you know three three losses in a row um so but i i mean at plus 200 though i i think he's probably the side here uh because early on if the Chirico is feeling 
you know, good that he's in an attack. You know, Al Hassan's legit in the first round. Like he'll 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 throw shots. Um, and he's got tons of power, man. I remember seeing like Nico Price when Nico Price like kicked him in the body, and he kicked he kicks Al Hassan in the body, and he literally like bounces off of him and falls to the ground. Go back and watch that fight if you. It, it's forty three. I'm, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump in here. But, You're giving yeah. way too much credit yeah, to Al Hassan. The the dude is absolutely terrible. I mean, he sucks ah. at he sucks at everything. He's not even a good puncher. He has, uh, he's moving up to 185 because he doesn't want to cut weight anymore. He's fat at the weight class. He he lost all of his speed and his power. I mean, if the Kiriko is having competitive striking fights with Mahmoud Muradov pretty recently, I don't see any way that Al Hassan's going to have s- striking success here. Um, I think Dikirko is better striker, better grappler. Al Hassan, terrible cardio, bad takedown defense, can't get off his back. Just can't say enough bad things about Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Um, so I think the value is still in the favorite here. I'm going to disagree. I think even at think the, so? e- even at minus, minus 235. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think there's more value. I don't think Razak wins this fight one out of three times. Maybe, maybe one out of four, one out of five plus three or 400 would be better, but plus 200 and no you, you definitely re- you definitely looked at this fight more so uh, listen to listen to martian on this i whatever i, I think uh, i think dekirko is going to get a finish round 2 round 3 here honestly think so um, yeah on the feet or you think he's going to try and grapple um i i really think he could do either one um but uh i just think that he's going to will Razak. i mean he's gonna, he he lost you know six or seven rounds in a row got iced by Williams. Like you said, I just don't think he's got any confidence or anything remotely promising about him, uh, to, to think there's value at 200. So, uh, I guess the one upside he does have here is that he was actually training for a fight. Uh, while I think the Kirko is the one coming in on short notice. Mm. Uh, um, but he got a raw deal. I mean, he, he probably would have won against, uh, the fat man, Braganetto. Um, right. you're right. Well, let's, let's move on. You're right. This yep. this is fight trash. Let's move. Yep. First on. fight on the fight. first fight on the main card. Another middleweight fight. Man, I think we got four back middleweight back fights back. in a row. That's insane. Um, Gerald Mearshart as the plus four fifty underdog with uh, Mahmoud Muradov minus seven hundred favorite. Uh, I'll start this you one. Go first, yeah. Yep. So, Ozzy mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but Mearshart plus four fifty. I mean, right off the bat, he is the side to be on here. Muradov. Um, he's a promising fighter. You know, Murdov's definitely, I'd say the better technical striker, the better athlete, the more fast fighter or the, the quicker fighter of the two. Um, but I don't think he has a grappling advantage. Um, uh, and you know, I just don't think that you can cover minus 600 in pure striking that often. I mean, I, I think Murdov is pretty proven. He has a good record, but minus 600 with no real grappling upside, I just don't really see it. I think uh, Mearshart is the better grappler of the two. Uh, Murdov had hit some takedowns in his previous um, pre-UFC fights, but hasn't really shown any of that in the UFC. He's mostly just jab, overhand right, leg kick, you know, moving that in and out. He He's definitely really athletic and fast, but uh, Mearshart's a, a sneaky good striker of his own right. I mean, I've had some some bold takes on him before. Um like in the Heinish fight where he got iced, you know, 60 seconds into that one. But I still truly believe that if they fight again, I would confidently pick Ger- Gerald Mearshart to win uh, the rematch there against Heinish. That was kind of a fluke outcome. And the same could be said about uh, Chimaev uh, down the line. We never really know. I just think Mearshart is actually a lot better of a fighter than the market tends to give him credit for. So um, I wouldn't think too hard about this one. I would just, you know, toss a small wager on GM3 money line. 
um, the pick, I mean, I guess I got to still pick Muradov, um, by probably decision, but I mean, if he's taken to 12 or 13 minutes to knock out guys like Trevor Smith and Andrew Sanchez, I don't see how the, the knockout could be minus 150 here. I mean, minus 150 for a knockout, that means it has to look over 60% for it to be a good bet. I mean, that is extremely rare in MMA. I just I just think that the market's way too high on Muradov, way too high on his power. And if anything, I would fade a uh, Muradov knockout here. Is so it Muradov decision or GM3 money line? Um, you know, kind of fading the most obvious outcome. So I have the potential to sound dumb and be completely wrong here, but I'll take the risk uh, with my boy GM3 on the other side. What are you thinking here, Ozzy? Yeah, man, I think that, you you know, you're on the money here uh, overall. You know, the... the, the Thank you. Murdov Mur- Mur- has two fights, right, in the UFC, or three fights, whatever the hell he has. And, uh, yeah, three fights. But, you know... He's fought you know, that fight against Andrew Sanchez. He definitely looked good. You know, he's tuning him up with the hands uh, overall there, and he looked pretty, you know, decent in in, in keeping keeping that fight on the feet. But right now, you have a southpaw striker in uh, in GM three. Um, you know, I think people are seeing that. You know, that when he got knocked out by like you said, Chimaev and uh, and uh, Heinish, that he just has a glass chin, and and and, and uh, Muradov is just to be able to to flatten him. But man, GM three is a top. This guy's got forty six professional fights. Um, you know, he finishes everybody. So I mean, I think this is gonna be a high paced fight. I think that you know uh, Muradov. You know, I don't think Muradov has ever ha- fought a guy like. I mean, Jared Mershart is a really a uh, different fighter than most of the guys you see in the UFC. This guy's just super dangerous um, from everywhere. It has fought so many guys uh, in the UFC. I don't know what wh- who my comp for him would be, but I just remember when he was coming in again uh, in that Gio Giagotti or whatever the guy guy's name is fight uh, fight where I was like, man, this guy's like so fun. Like he's like such an interesting fighter um, with just the all out blitz, you know, and attacks that he comes out with. Um, and you know, he's lost a few split decisions. He's got finished a few times, but I think this guy's hungry. I think Muradov, you know, you have not seen, uh, you know, a fight like someone take, take the fight to him, uh, that much. They are in the small cage here. And let me see. I know the Andrew Sanchez fight. Big cage. Not in the, yeah, it was in the big cage. It was in the McGregor card. And I think those other fights also were in the big cage. I think this is going to be the first time yeah. that uh, Murdoff has fought with, like, no fans in the small cage and all that. So, you know, I think that this fight, like, the, you know, the, like you said, I think the over, like, fading that knockout, you know, try, thinking, hey, maybe this goes over. Uh, maybe, you know, GM3 has some success, like, clinching him. Or, at the very least, because... um uh he has some kind of success in terms of whether it be some grappling or entries into into takedowns and stuff it makes Muradov maybe a little bit more tentative to just start throwing out all out you know numbers on him uh that you know this fight uh trickles over but like i i mean there's no way i'd i'd bet Muradov here at at that price like you know i thought i'm very surprised it's actually ballooning uh, so far out, I thought you know maybe like plus three fifty, plus three hundred. That would be like the hard stop. But um, you know, this, a lot of parlays in this yeah, car. It's, it's parlaying. Going, this thing opened minus two thirty five, and you know a lot of times openers are bullshit, and you know they will quickly be you know gone. But you know it, it was like at minus like three fifty, three hundred, and then it just took off. So you know, really weird line movement to me. I like I would not want to be, you know, laying minus 700 against Mershard against mostly anybody except for Bob uh, Robert Whitaker. Um 
So, you know, I'll probably take a shot on on GM3, you know, a little baby bet, you know, and and then maybe thinking about this over. But, you know, I do think if, you know, GM3 is winning this fight, he's probably, you know, trying to get after this guy uh, right away uh, to do something. But, you know, let's see what ha- I mean. Uh, Mershard does not win decisions. So inside the distance for Mershard is plus 600. I guess like maybe you don't want to do that because uh, because the uh, uh, money line is already so good. But it's, this is a very strange fight. But I think, uh, what's it called? Uh, GM3 um, being the southpaw, I think, will stymie some of the offense. Like that jab that Miradov has that works so well for him. And I think he has uh, some shot at winning this for sure. Like I definitely cap him uh, at better than uh, plus 450. So Yep. We'll be cheering for GM3 here. Uh, on the podcast this weekend and next fight also in the middleweight division um, got some some tough leftovers we got Petrosky as the minus 600 favor Gilmore plus 400 um, you could start this one off yeah, sure. you know. I mean, so you know uh, Petrovsky was a you know somewhat of a heralded prospect I, I remember when he was fighting uh, Jeffrey I think is his name over there and i think lfa they were fighting at you know i was hearing hey man this guy's really good he's a you know really good wrestler like high school or whatever college or he has a really good ground game ended up losing that fight when he got onto tough i was excited about it you know he kind of looked like you know i'm not i'm not gonna say a bad word but he looked a little soft in that battle fight um you know calling the headbutt and all this nonsense but i mean gilmore is you know this guy can make 170 easy like his whole you his whole mma career before this was 170 for the most part he got blown out the first fight that he had by a guy who's not as good of a grappler as uh as Petrovsky. Am I saying his last his last name right? As Andre, I'm gonna go just go with Andre. As yeah, Andre, you're saying it right. As Andre is not as good of a grappler as him, and got just got dominated right away. He's very unathletic. The guy's super slow. You see, you know, just he he just does not move well. This guy's not anywhere near a UFC caliber fighter. You know, the line is at like minus six hundred now, minus seven. I mean, I got a little bit of minus three hundred because I'm like, man, this is like this guy's winning this for sure. Um, I think he submits him at some point. Um, so you know, I I took I took a little bit of all that stuff, you know, submission first round, submission, you know, submission side, you know, just covering all of that, uh, along with a little bit of money line, uh, because I just think Andre, he's a really good, he's a he's a solid wrestler. I think you know you have to take into account uh, how some of those tough fights are um, in terms of uh, you know the the weirdness that he had to cut you got to cut weight like two times uh you know on that show in like a matter of weeks and all this so that definitely could affect the cardio so i think he probably has a little bit better conditioning here but i think he's gonna take this guy down and submit him you know at some point yeah i agree there petrosky uh trained out of philly he's definitely a legit jujitsu guy um you know real strong physical guy to to go along with it and you know gilmore been submitted three times in his pro career got submitted on tough pretty quickly by urbina i don't think urbina is that good and he was able to really easily take him down and even on the feet gilmore's probably not even the better striker than petrosky i think we will definitely have a fade spot on petrosky in the in the near future the very near future um but this is not the spot. He's going to take Gilmore down and submit him pretty easily. So I agree. Uh, Petrosky submission round one. And like I, I say, like the entire Petrosky career, will, will he'll be very front loaded and it'll be kind of like, can guys survive six or seven minutes? Uh, but even if 
Gilmore survives six or seven minutes and makes it into the second half of the fight, I'm not confident he's going to take over or anything like that. Um, I think he spent most of his career at 170. So, I mean, this is probably going to go pretty badly for him. I agree. Uh, Petrovsky sub sub one is the the pick here. And uh, moving on to probably uh, the second best matchup on the entire card. We got uh, Kevin Lee going back up to 170, minus 152, taking on Daniel Rodriguez, plus 132. D-Rod coming in on a bit short notice. and. Uh, I know we're both looking forward to this fight. Ozzy, start this one off with your thoughts on this matchup. Man, you know, I love this matchup here. You know, I've been high on Daniel Rodriguez. You know, I mean, let me not say that. You know, I thought that uh, Tim Means is going to, you know, box him up. But, you know, I mean, he's definitely grown on me uh, a lot. You know, I just, I think there's so many red flags on, on the Kevin Lee side. Like, I love, I've loved Kevin Lee. You know, I thought that he was definitely a, a threat, at, honestly, at like a title threat at 155. Uh, you have to vacate that division because he was just too big. You know, this guy's got a 77-inch reach. He's a, he's a physical specimen overall. Um, but here, you know, I think he's, he, he, I mean, he's fought a lot of good competition. But here, you know, I think sometimes Kevin Lee... You know, if he's coming in here to grapple straight away, you know that it could work out. The thing is, it's so it's so volatile because it could work really well for him because he could get a back take and he could get a submission right right away. Um, but also, he could get tired. I mean, this guy he had uh, ACL surgery on both his knee on each knee last year. And while, you know, ACL recovery has gone really well, how you know this his conditioning has always been his weak point. And I saw an interview where he was like talking about fighting Colby Covington and he said, Hey man, like, you know, that's probably my weakest point. So he knows, he knows what's going on with his conditioning. So, um, you know, Diane Rodriguez conditioning is his strong point. Um, so I think that, you know, Lee, if, if he's not wrestling here, he is in big danger, big, 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 big danger. Because what I see from Daniel Rodriguez is, uh, he's really good at countering the jab. Kevin Lee likes jabbing, you know, from, you know, to, to set up his, uh, his, uh, right, right kick, whether it be to the leg, to the body or the head. So he likes throwing out these jabs, but, uh, Rodriguez has a excellent cross counter, uh, slipping off to, you know, slipping off to that jab side, uh, and landing that. And I feel Kevin Lee, just his boxing fundamentals aren't good. And like I was telling you guys, uh, everyone from last week when Chase Sherman's doing all these stupid fucking head movement drills with Henry Hoof or whoever that it is, man, it doesn't help you at, at, like after you've been in, you know, your MMA career for so long. It just, you know, it's not happening at, at, at a certain point. And Kevin Lee, to me, is the same uh, like that. He's not really good in the pocket. And uh, Daniel Rodriguez is really good in the pocket. He does have power in his hands. Um, and he has great conditioning. Like, this guy's in real, like, I know this, you know, primary source. I know this for a fact. Like, this guy's in really, really, really good shape. Um, and I know that he's been working his wrestling a lot. At, I think he's at Syndicate out in, in Vegas. Um, but he's been training. Like, even though he's in short notice, like you mentioned, he, this guy's been training. Like, even, like he, he had the fight. Uh, last month against parsons um he was training uh in syndicate there and he hasn't left he's in vegas still he's been grinding he's been working with guys like sean strickland and you know all those boys because i think strickland fought like maybe like two weeks after um after rodriguez did so they've been working a lot they've been working wrestling they've been working the clinch work so you know i think kevin lee has a ton of upside he's got a really good rear naked choke he could chase the back like nobody else like like few others in mma um but and 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 Daniel Rodriguez, you know, he got taken down there by uh by Mike Perry pretty easily. So th- there is definitely a lot of worry there. But I like I I I, I like um D Rod here. 
Um, I've been waiting for a better price though. You know, this, this line's been stuck kind of like plus 130 for a while now. Um, and you know, it's a tough fight for me, you know, to, to, to pick a side on. I think, you know, you, I'm definitely looking for a live bet opportunity on uh, D-Rod as well. I'll, I'll definitely mention that because like I said, Kevin Lee, you know, slows down a little bit. I think if he, it, you know, and, and I think he's a little bit of a head case as well, where if he starts taking a little bit of damage or being a little bit unsuccessful, I feel like this fight could, you know, snowball really, really quickly in Daniel Rodriguez's favor. So, you know, close fight for me. I think, you know, I'm looking for a little bit better price on Rodriguez here. Um, you know, and I think I'll, you know, I, I'll just pick him here, you know, just, you know, put the cards on table. Like, you know, I think I'll probably definitely end up with a ticket on him at some point, you know, whenever it is. So, and, and looking yes, at the KO, KO as well. So, and Kevin Lee, I, if I was betting him, I'd probably uh, take a stab at that submission prop. Yep. Good points there. It's a pretty binary matchup, you know, Lee is definitely going to want to be looking to get the fight on the floor. As you mentioned, it's not going to go well for him if the fight stays standing. I can see Lee having some success striking, maybe with that right uh, that right kick of his, um, with the open stance matchup. But I really think the jab, the straight left hand of D-Rod, the size, is really going to come into play at this welterweight weight class. And I Point. think we're... And, if you look at his career against Southpaws, he lost to RDA. He was having some trouble with uh, Francisco Trinaldo on the feet when they fall way back in the day. Uh, Lee's just not really experienced when it comes to fighting Southpaws too much. And I definitely did not remember D-Rod getting taken down by Mike Perry. And both of those takedowns I thought were pretty concerning. The first takedown, he tried to go for a guillotine instead of digging that underhook. He got taken down, put on his back, and he went full guard. He spent about 90 seconds on his back uh, at the end of that round one there. So that's not a great sign. I mean, he still won the round. Uh, but then in round two, he also got taken down and kind of gave up his back getting up to the fence there. And uh, Mike Perry, not a great, you know, jujitsu guy. He's not going to take the back like that. But Kevin Lee is really good at uh, taking the back when his opponents get up, especially against the cage. So I have some real concerns about the wrestling here early. I do think Kevin Lee is going to take D-Rod down. I did see a stat that said that uh, every opponent that Lee has attempted a takedown on, he has taken down. So it's pretty likely that he's going to take D-Rod down here. But I'm not so sure he's going to immediately just run through D-Rod and submit him on the mat. And if that doesn't happen, if he can get out of the first five to seven minutes of this round, Ozzy made up some great points about Kevin Lee not really being so good late in fights. He doesn't really have great cardio. He's untested at this 170-pound weight class. We saw him slow down pretty significantly in the RDA fight in the later rounds there, especially when he couldn't get his takedowns. He kind of wilts. And uh, I just think D-Rod's the much tougher guy, the much more... Um, adaptable guy so if he loses round one here i actually have some faith in him to come back and win rounds two and three while if lee can't get that takedown going and he's getting outstruck i think it's going to go pretty badly for him i don't see him really making that adaptation to win so uh pure pick wise i gotta go with kevin lee i, I thought that the the takedowns the the grappling sequences in that mike perry fight were a little bit too hard to ignore here so i'm gonna be picking kevin lee but i hope i'm wrong because uh, i i don't like kevin lee too much i, I like d-rod a lot i think he's a really exciting fighter and i hope this fight uh you know gets back to the feet i hope d-rod's able to outstrike him and win uh two out of three rounds maybe get a knockout here so i agree with ozzy about those props uh if you like um Either guy here, you got to take D-Rod by knockout and you got to take Lee by sub. What is Lee's submission here? Uh, isn't it like plus 500? Uh, no, I, plus, think, I, think, I thought I saw like a plus like 380, 375. Yeah, plus 420 for Lee submission and then uh, really D-Rod D -Rod knockout plus 380. You know, that, I mean, that is yeah. good. 
you know, Lee's been in a few uh, five round fights uh, of late, but I mean, he hasn't won a decision in in a long time. Like this guy finishes, you know, the fights that he wins. So yeah, getting outstruck by Ali Quinta, not a good look. Um, and the the double ACL surgery, man, that's fucking huge. I think we might have mentioned it with Chase Sherman. He was coming off meniscus surgery. And if you want to, you know, go back and listen to that Sherman versus Porter breakdown, that's probably like like pure genius level shit coming from us there because we 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 call it a lot of shit in that fight uh, correctly. Um, but that's a good matchup. That's covered enough on this one. We're gonna move on to the Ultimate Fighter finale fight, starting things off and the more exciting of the two. In the Bantamweight division, we got Ricky Tercios as the minus 154 favorite. Brady Highstand as the plus 134 underdog. Uh, you can um, you, you can go, start go, this go, one off. Yeah, go ahead. You know, so I, I like both these guys as prospects. Like, they both had really good fights on the on the show. Um, you know, that that uh, Josh versus Brady fight, you know, uh, excellent backstory, like, you know, overall. And then just a really good fight as well. And everybody loves Ricky. You know, he, he brings the heat. Um, he's a very active, uh, you know, active fighter, active striker, um, and he's pretty well rounded overall. You know, I know I remember when he took uh, had that shot against Boston Salmon in the uh, in the contender series. I, I thought they used him to, you know, win that fight, but, you know, probably maybe a little too early for him. But, you know, Ricky, he's a whirlwind of just, you know, activity, you know, uh, like half this guy's strikes are, you know, he throws like a kick and then he'll throw like a, a you know, a right hand or a left or a jab, you know, off of it, you know, on, on the same side. Um, so, you know, he doesn't throw much power, you know, doesn't have many knockouts. Most of his wins are by decision. So, you know, he has really good conditioning um, and, he know, you know, he's he just fights, uh, you know, like his personality kind of fits uh, his fight style as well. Um, you know, coming into this fight against Brady, though, both these guys were on the same team. Uh, I believe uh, they were both on Team Volkanovski. So, um, you know, they definitely trained together, they definitely rolled, you know, and did, you know, jiu-jitsu, sparred, all this good stuff. Um, Brady, I know, had a little bit of knee injury, I hear, uh, on the show. Um, I'm pretty high on Brady's overall grappling game. Uh, you know, I was just super impressed with, you know, how he fought against Josh. I, you know, I, I was rooting for Josh. Like, I've always been really high on jo uh, Josh Reddinghouse, I think is how you pronounce his name. You know, I've loved, you know, I've seen a lot of fights of his, you know, I saw him on World Series of Fighting. And that was an amazing victory, I think, for a guy uh, 22 years old like Brady is uh, to grit that, you know, fight out. Like, I know he was taking some damage there. But I just thought it was a pretty overall impressive performance. I think he's got a lot of, uh, he does a lot of good stuff on in the grappling realm. He could go to both sides with his takedowns. He's comfortable transitioning into the clinch. Uh, once you, he does have you on the ground, I think he 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 has um, more to show than he did on the show, obviously, and he has on tape. I think he has a pretty well versed uh, submission game. Um, and I think that here against Ricky, Ricky, uh, you know, the activity that he's going to bring is going to give uh, Brady a ton of opportunities to get his grappling game going. So uh, with that being said, I think that, you know, the grappling is, you know, even though Ricky, uh, Ricky is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, I think it's a big advantage to Brady. Uh, you know, I think if Brady could lock his hands around Ricky, Ricky's, um, he's the kind of fighter, he's like a go with it, you know, kind of dude. So, you know, I, I could see it where, uh, you know, people with a ticket, maybe on Ricky in the future, uh, he gets taken down by Brady and then he's on his back. Like he's like throwing punches and elbows and, you know, trying for triangles and all these kind of things because he's like, all right, like I'm here, I'm in this position. Like I'm, you know, I, I just need offense. Like I need to work. I need to do stuff. Uh, and I think that Brady is going to be able to find, settle, settle Ricky down at some point. Um, I know the cardio is probably a concern. 
for, for on the Brady side. But I think, like I said, you know, with you, when you have like a knee injury, you can't really uh, push your cardio that much. And I think, you know, the, the ultimate fighter house is not conducive uh, to you keeping good conditioning because you have to cut weight, uh, you know, for in, in a matter of three weeks uh, on multiple occasions. Um, and, you know, the fights, are, they're just like way more anxiety inducing, I think. It's just like a really weird setup here. You have so much longer to game plan for your opponent, to get ready for the fight, to like, you know, calm down your nerves, I would guess. So I like Brady here, um, you know, at this plus price. He's getting bet across the board uh, and he might get bet more uh you know in the near future so i think that it's a good price here um and i think you know at, at worst case scenario he's gonna have a good first round um maybe you could you know take some ricky here but i think ricky's gonna if he wins it's gonna be by decision i don't think there's any shot that he finishes brady brady's just way too tough and i think he's gonna be able brady will be able to get some good uh grappling positions on ricky and potentially I don't know, maybe get a Renaka Choke shades of uh, his boy, Michael Chiesa versus Ally Kinna. He was a dog there as well. People didn't think that he would get that win. And, you know, you saw what happened there. Yeah, great fight. Um, good points there. Both these guys' tough fights were really entertaining, especially Tertius, man. Like, those were some really fun fights. Um, and another kind of binary matchup where I think Tertius is definitely the better striker. High stand is the better grappler. It's all a matter of where the fight's going to take place. And... One thing I noticed about Ricky Tertios in terms of his defensive grappling is when opponents shoot takedowns on him, he's not really the type to dig underhooks. He's not really the type to do the right wrestling thing. He loves spamming those punches, those elbows on his opponents. And that can, that can stop some takedowns like it did on the Contender Series or uh, on Tough uh, against Argetta. But I think the high stand is a bit of a better wrestler. He's going to persist through those strikes. And that's actually going to be a detriment for Tertios because he really should be digging those underhooks. And instead of throwing those weak punches, I think he is going to get put on his back here. And I've been impressed with what I saw from high stand on top. I think he's got a uh, good, reliable wrestling. He shoots takedowns pretty often. Uh, he can grind opponents out against the cage. He can get them flat on their backs and land good ground and pound. He can advance a pass guard, go for submissions. And he doesn't do too much on top. You know, he does... Uh, just enough work to to keep you know the referee away from him and he doesn't you know go for any crazy uh advances he doesn't dive on submissions where the position isn't there i think he's a really smart and calculated top grappler and i just don't think the tertios is that great at defending takedowns i don't think he's that great off his back he's going to be throwing up a leg lock a triangle attempt or two and then high stand has to defend those and after that i think we're going to see tertios settle on the ground and spend a few minutes on his back uh and that's where uh, high stand is really going to do work and win minutes and win rounds here and i just think this fight is not going to be more difficult than the reading house fight for high stand i think the reading house is a very solid boxer high stand one round one had a tough round two where he was getting hit real hard in that round but he was still able to gut out round three get that takedown get about two to three minutes of control there he didn't accomplish too much but he grinded that fight out and won the fight in the eyes of the judges and he really persisted through a tough fight there over the full 15 minutes and i don't think the tertios is going to be a more difficult test than that i think Reddinghouse hits harder than uh tertios and I just don't see uh, him finishing high stand here, as you mentioned, Ozzy. If Tertios is able to get a finish, it's probably going to be in round three from high stand, getting tired, and Tertios just pouring it on him. So some props for this fight are the Tertios round three prop at plus 1,600 and the high stand submission prop at plus 1,000. Uh, I mean, for a guy that's going to be grappling, uh, the submission prop at plus 1,000 is really good odds. So 
I like high stand here as well. He's my first official track bet of the night, 1.5 units at plus 155. And now's the time to get in on him. Uh, as, as he said, the line is dropping. So take high stand now. I think this fight should be closer to, uh, you know, a pick on price. Maybe Tertios minus 130 uh, would be more accurate. But where it's at now, the value is still on the grappler high stand here. And I think this is going to be a fun fight. And I'm picking a high stand to grapple his way to a victory. And uh, next fight is going to take us to the middleweight final. A bit of a late replacement here. Uh, we got Brian Battle as the minus 175 favorite. Gilbert Urbina minus, or plus 150. Uh, this was supposed to be the guy who knocked out Urbina in his last fight. Let me. Uh, that guy's name is uh, Gore. Uh, I mean, Sean. Yeah, he he messed Urbina up in that fight. Was outboxing him, landing the jab. He knocked down Urbina four times in that fight before finally finding the knockout. Uh, Urbina is definitely a middleweight. Doesn't really, uh, not really at the right weight class here at 185. And he's definitely a grappler. He's looking to get the fight to the floor and submit most of his opponents. That is how most of his wins have come. That's how he got his one and only win versus Gilmore on the on the tough show. But I don't think he's that good of a grappler. I don't. I really don't. Um, the Tavino fight. If you're able to go back and watch that one, you see that he's really not that good on top. He's sloppy. He can lose position pretty easily. And I just don't think Urbina is anything special. I don't think he's a good striker. I don't think he's a good grappler. And Battle, I was actually you know mildly impressed with the guy. I think he is. Uh, he's decent everywhere. He doesn't excel in one particular area, but he's a decent striker with the, the right idea on how to pressure. He's got solid output and. Uh, I'd say his defensive grappling is probably his weakest area. He was taken down and controlled to lose round one versus Petrosky. But if he was able to survive the early storm from Petrosky and was able to put a pace on him in round two, outstrike him, eventually hurt him, and lock up that nasty guillotine, I don't see many problems coming back from him uh, at Urbina. Uh, I mean, if Urbina is maybe able to get a takedown or two, I don't think he's going to do much meaningful work with it. I don't think he's going to hold battle there for long. And I think the the later in this fight goes, the more it favors battle. I think if Urbina wants to win, he's probably going to have to get a round one submission here. And uh, I think battle's probably going to avoid those takedowns, outstrike him, and probably find a finish in rounds two or three here. So uh, I don't like the overs or the goes the distance here. I think there's a good chance battle finishes. And honestly, I think there's value on battle money line. I, I would cap him closer to minus 250 here. I think, uh, I don't know why, what people see in Rabina. I don't really see any redeeming qualities from him. Um, and I think battle's got him beat everywhere. So uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Ozzy? Yeah, man, you know, uh, you know, I hate to, you know, have it be a agreement fest, but you know, I, I see the fight very much the same way. Like I, you know, I, the Urbina's just overall have not been good, right? Like just objectively. Um, and Gilbert showed nothing to me to convince me that he's in a snap this trend. You know, this guy's he's pretty tall. He's six three. Um, but like you said, I think you, you might have mixed your words and said that uh he's a middleweight. But yeah, you know, he's a welterweight. Uh, yep. he fought his whole career uh mostly at one seventy five, one seventy. Um, you know, fought Brady there in, in in LFA and impressively didn't get finished. Uh, there I guess like you know Brady's yeah. a freaking hammer. That's the, fight, the that, fight's not available on, on on tape. Couldn't find it, but I was surprised at that too. There's going to be a freaking statue of Sean Brady in Philadelphia at some point in time. Yep. I, I don't know when. It might not be today, like Brandon Moreno said. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next year. 
But one, there's going to be a statue of this motherfucker. Hey, Pat Sabatini right? is going to be right next to him after he uh, I hope passes. So. <laughs> I hope so. But Brady, for sure, I'll tell you that right now. Now, Battle, though, you know, like you said, you know, I've been impressed with, I was definitely impressed with him on, on Tough. And I just think, you know, for me, you know, when you have a, a, a fight like this with guys less than 10 fights, you know, I know it's good to, you know, everybody wants to have tape and this or that. But you know, you kind of have to handicap the, uh, in terms of like styles. Um, you know, I watched that Urbina fight, uh, against Trevino, like you said, super sloppy, man. Like if, like, how is this guy, you know, he had his MMA debut in 2014. He's just losing all these positions against Trevino. They're just going back and forth. Like one guy will have the other guy's back. Then the other guy will be on the back. It was just like a stupid fight and, you know, battle for the most part, he's a lot more, um, you know put together you know he doesn't let you get you know overwhelming positions on him even though you know petrovsky was all over him early on there you know and he was taking him down and all that but uh he's a way better wrestler than um than urbina is he's way stronger than him for sure like if the, if you're a six three man and you're you know cutting down at 170 like you know you're not a powerhouse you know ju just to you know to put it like that and you know i just think that you know if the, when they're on the feet you know you saw in that uh against gore that uh Urbina has just no idea about the striking. He just doesn't know anything. Like he's walking on to shots uh, at all times of day. And Gore was like, holy, like it was a field day for Gore. I think he was surprised at how easy he was able to connect on this guy. Cause he was just coming forward. Like you see the last knockdown uh, when he gets knocked out, you know, he's just walking forward, boom. And like, he's not even looking at that uh, hook that's coming around him. No and, adjustments. You know, it just connects straight on his chin. Like this guy's low. It, it, that has that. If that's not low fight IQ, I don't know what is. And he um, also kept coming forward. Like he would get yeah. dropped and then just kept walking forward with like no he's, changes whatsoever. And just kept getting, destroyed. getting dropped. Yeah. And destroyed. So, you know, if, if, if he's coming forward here, I think that uh, Battle will be able to uh, activate the or uh, uh, engage the clinch uh, on him. He's got good knees. You saw he busted open uh, Andre with that knee there. You know, I think he's probably in a little bit better shape here as well. You saw that he was a little soft, um, you know, during tough, right? He's got, like, love handles and stuff. But I think this guy is going to be able to fill out at 185. I think he's doing that right now. And... Um, you know, you see the line move a little bit in the battle direction. I do also agree that there's some, you know, there's some value on him. I know, you know, he's floating around that minus 160. And, you know, I think I should have probably jumped in there. It's minus 175 there now. But I still think it's it, it's good value because, you know, there's no way that I could trust uh, Urbina winning a decision against battle because battles doesn't start being able to pick at this guy. If the thing is, Urbina... His best, uh, I think, like case scenario is, you know, he gets out early, gets out ahead, you know, is able to to have a good first round. But, you know, this guy does not have really good cardio uh, at all. And I think that battle is going to be able to start uh, putting damage on him, hitting him with strikes. He's just way more uh, well-rounded here and just a way more advanced fighter. And I just don't think Urbina is ever going to be UFC caliber in any capacity. I think battle maybe like an outside chance at this but you know he's gonna have to throw down with gore i think at some point and gore i think was the best 185 prospect but i like battle here um you know i probably i'm probably gonna bet him to be honest yep. um and i'm i'm just gonna try and find a good price on him i'm not gonna get real cute with the you know with the uh props here I, although i do agree you know given you know how uh how dense uh 
Urbina looked at maybe, you know, some, you know, KO or, or, or sub or whatever, but he's only plus 200 here inside the distance. So I just prefer just going a straight money line on him. And uh, I think he's going to get this done, man. I, I would be, I honestly would be pretty surprised uh, if Urbina won this fight. Like, I, yeah. I, it, would, it would be really surprising to me because I think his condition is like, you know, like you said, early submission. And I don't really see this guy winning a decision over battle. Yeah, surprise the line is still holding there. I probably will bet him as well at that minus 162 on FanDuel. So um, keep posted for that. Make sure you check our bet MMA. That's going to bring us to the main event of the card. Uh, definitely the best matchup on the card. We got Edson Barbosa, minus 120 favorite. Actually, minus 115 in most spots. Giga Chikadze, minus 105. Definitely a fun matchup on paper, but we feel pretty strongly about this one. I'll let you start this one off, Ozzy. Yeah, so you know, awesome matchup. I I I don't really see this one coming, to be honest. Given that Giga is uh you know a bit for I don't know what where uh, Edson is ranked, but you know I know Giga is a little bit further down. Um, you know Giga's been you know running through a few of these guys uh of late, right? B Cup Swanson, B our boy uh Jamie Simmons uh as well. <laughs> that late you know that that late replacement uh you know for we gotta Simmons. thank him. We gotta thank him for yeah, man. That he's fight, a, you know he's the boy. He allowed he allowed Simmons to get into the UFC, and then he allowed us to make even more money against him against Munoz. I hope, I hope we get Simmons gets another one, man. He, he deserves get, it. Yeah, he deserves it. Give him a fight. Go down to one thirty-five, Simmons. Maybe I don't know, and then you know take on one of these tough guys. But you know maybe Brady after he chokes out Ricky. But. I mean, Giga, you know, I, I've made money on Giga. You know, I was all over. I was on him against Omar, uh, Omar Morales. But, I mean, look at the, this guy, Erwin Rivera, Omar Morales, Jamie Simmons, and the ghost of Cub Swanson, man. Like, you know, Giga, he's he he's cool. You know, really good kickboxer. Um, you know, has really good kicks. Um, and, you know, he, he he's very, pin he has uh, great accuracy with him. But he's coming in here against Edson Barboza, and I think the biggest differential here is is the is the boxing. Um, you know, Edson Barboza's hands have always been super impressive to me. Like his just fundamentals, how he throws in combination, the speed that he throws with those punches, how he mixes them together. You know, you see, uh, you know, let's say like that fight against Dan Hooker. You see like that end sequence when he hits uh, Hooker with a uh, with that left hook to the body. You know, he's he's not he doesn't rest on his uh, laurels. Like he's he hits Hooker with that left hook and he loads he throws the left hook to the head right after, but. You know, hookers freaking on the floor, wilted over. But that just shows me, like, this guy, his hands, his numbers, all those things are so well drilled into him. And he knows how, like, to, to inflict damage, and he knows where his next opportunities are going to be. It's like when you're playing chess, right? They tell you, hey, don't think about this move. Think about two, three, four moves uh, ahead, of, ahead of time. And that's how uh, I see uh, Barboza is. Now, Giga is definitely a high-level striker as well. But I think his his uh, punches leave a lot to be desired, as well as his defense. Uh, first said punches coming back his way, and he hasn't fought a guy who had who had any kind of presence in the pocket versus him. Like none, right? He had he fought Brandon Davis, you know, split decision against him. Fought Emers. Emers just wanted to wrestle at, at at a certain point, and like I was saying earlier, I don't believe in Emers is striking. And then Omar Morales, he was running circles around Omar Morales because Omar did not know how to cut off the cage, but that was the big cage out in Abu Dhabi. This is the small cage where 
oftentimes you would think, hey, Edson Barboza, small cage, bad for him. He gets pressured, this or that. But Giga is not going to pressure him because he does not have those kind of tools to come in, right? If if uh, Barboza is fighting a guy like Gaethje, right, who could cut off the cage, like you don't want to be standing in front of Gaethje, right? You don't want to probably be standing in front of Paul Felder that much either. But you're finding a guy like Giga, Giga switching stances. He's trying to find like, he's, he's like looking for blitz attacks. And I think that... Um, Barboza, his defense is so tight that um, I see multiple points when Giga's probably going to, you know, lunge in with like, you know, a, a few strikes and he's going to be there for Barboza to counter, uh, hit pretty cleanly. I love Barboza's leg kicks here. You know, Giga, you haven't seen him take any leg kicks. You've seen him throw a few, but I mean, there's no way that I'm going to be worried about Giga leg kicking Barboza and not be and not like way Barboza kicking uh, Giga way higher. Um, the body kicks, I mean, Edson Barboza's torso is made of steel, man. Like that, this guy's not going down from a freaking body kick. If he goes down from a body kick, that'll be, I mean, oh, shout out to Giga. But look at that slow motion kick that he has uh, Cub with. Cub is made of Play-Doh compared to freaking uh barboza's uh apps like it just is what it is like to be like more uh, as simply put as that so you know i'm not trying to discount giga you know i know there's some people definitely on giga and they believe in it but i certainly don't i think uh barboza could probably even double like this dude and you know put him down on his back but i mean shut the schedule i mean barboza is one of he's i think he's like one, he's a legend man like uh, overall like he's had so many fights in the ufc i have to you have to back him here it's one of my track bets bets at minus 106 the line dropped i'll tell you the line dropped to minus 105 i added another uh unit on him so i'm at like two and a half units now uh on uh on barboza here i'm pretty confident in him i feel very very good about him and for me it's a matter of hey does does the attritional uh damage that uh barboza puts on him is he gonna find a finish uh i think it'd be with the hands uh and hurt uh giga overall or does this go the distance that's the only thing that you know i'm kind of like weighing like do i want to you know maybe take like a ticket on barboza by uh ko but you know i, I just think i cap him definitely a, a heavier favorite here um but i'm really interested to see how this fight uh plays out one of these days we're gonna you know firmly disagree on one of these main events or something but today is not the day because i'll be on the edson barbosa train as well got two units on him same price minus 105 over on DraftKings. and you mentioned one point let's i'd say like, we could get out of the way real quick there should be a striking fight right 90 90 percent of the fight should be striking if it goes to the floor at any point it's probably going to be barbosa hitting a takedown or something uh, but that seems pretty unlikely um, you hit a lot of good points about uh, the striking here. Uh, I just think that Edson's the better striker. He's more used to MMA. You know, obviously has the footwork down for MMA a lot better. I had some questions around Giga's footwork and his transition to MMA when he first got into the UFC, and he has squashed some of those concerns. But against what competition? You know, uh, Ozzy read through that list of competition. The best guys he's gone against are Omar Morales, who was cutting to 145, uh, Cub Swanson, who is very late into his career. You know, Giga has improved. He has looked good. But the, the level of competition that he's fought is nowhere near comparable to Edson Barbosa's. Even Edson Barbosa's short run at, at 145, where he fought Danny Gay, probably deserved that win and had the tremendous performance over Shane Burgos. You know, he looked phenomenal in those fights. Uh, I think everyone in the world had some questions around why Barbosa was dropping down to 145, how he would look down there. But 
I mean, I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations. He might be at his all-time best right now. He, he looks durable. His punches, I think, have never had more power. I think it must be the speed of him dropping down because, I mean, he never dropped guys with punches before very often at lightweight, but he dropped Ige. He hurt Makwan a few times. He was landing tons of strikes to the head uh, on Burgos that eventually he led to that knockout. my boy Burgos from the Bronx, man. Right, was, right. It hurt, I mean, hurt for me to see that, man. I mean, I was on Burgos there too, and it was like I wasn't even that bitter about it because Barbosa just looked so fucking good. That fight was so great. And, I mean, the leg kicks are on point. His boxing looks great. He's still throwing those body kicks. His spinning kicks are there. I mean, the guy is just lethal from so many different areas. And I just don't see that same threat from Chikadze. I don't think he's nearly as good of a boxer. Uh, I think if Giga Chikadze wants to win this fight, he's probably going to have to land a big kick in rounds one or two, like a, a huge head kick or a body kick. Like Ozzy said, the man's torso is made of steel. So it would be extremely shocking to see him fold from a body kick, especially when you saw Shane Burgos just dig to the body with those left hooks. I mean, Shane Burgos had a really good round two, digging to the body, doing everything that you want to see against Edson Barbosa, pushing him back, throwing punches in combination, landing his jab. And Edson Barbosa still came out in round three and was looking sharp, hurting him with punches. And eventually put him away with that third round knockout so if the body work uh, and the boxing of shane burgos wasn't enough to finish uh barbosa or to diminish barbosa i don't think giga's body work is going to do anything either so chikadze really needs to find kind of a miracle knockout in rounds one or two here because he's not going to be able to keep up with the pace the output the cardio of edson barbosa the leg kick is going to start to damage chikadze's uh leg the boxing of of barbosa is going to land and do accumulated damage and we've seen chikadze slow down in round three he had a close fight with brandon davis he slowed down in round three versus jamal emmers um i just think that all signs point to Edson Barbosa here, and we're getting an extremely generous price on him here. I mean, I cap him 60%. I cap him minus 150. So we might actually have to add some more to Barbosa here. I'm at the same two, 2.5 units, but might end up with uh, closer to three, three and a half on Barbosa because this is a really good spot. I think the market is way too heavy on uh, Chikadze here. I think people are jumping the gun a little bit too early on Edson Barbosa. I mean, we saw the same thing in his last fight. He was plus 125, plus 130 at close versus Burgos. And he looked like the clear favorite in that matchup. So uh, I like Barbosa here. Uh, I think he's going to win the fight by, you know, however he wants, knockout or decision. Um, you know, if it goes to the decision, he's probably going to win 49, 46 pretty uh, decisively. But I'd see him knocking uh, Giga out in three, four, five here. So uh, what do you think in between uh, decision or knockout, Ozzy? What do you think your official pick is? And, you know, I think that it, I'd probably say decision. I just feel, no, fuck that. He's going to knock this dude out, man. I, I just yeah, think yeah. like Giga, Giga's the kind of dude, like, you know, if if the fight's getting away from him. I mean, Master Cordero uh, last week, you know, I don't know why he told Kelvin he was up in the fifth round. It was just so dumb. But I feel like Giga, he knows how these uh, kickboxing fights go. And if he's losing it, I think he'll get more aggressive. And Barboza's nonstop offense. Like, he he does not rest. Um, and He's in, if he sees opportunities to hit Giga, he's gonna take it. So yeah, he yeah, Barbosa just he's too damaging to all areas of the body. You know his boxing is on point. He digs to the uh, the body well with his kicks. He damages the legs with his leg kicks. I mean, he really can fuck you up in all three areas 
uh, of the of your body, and that's that seems like he's going to lead to an accumulated knockout here in three, four, five. So we're we're big on the Barbosa train. We're big fans of Brady High Stand this week. Uh, you know, we're we're in agreement with most picks here, Ozzy. But uh, you know, hopefully we made the the podcast entertaining with the not so entertaining card. Hopefully you all able to find some good information and tail and uh, you know make some uh, profit. We've definitely been uh, making some money for you guys. Hopefully so far on the podcast. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Any closing thoughts, Ozzy? No, man, you know, tons of MMA this week. Um, you know, there's a sports book that, you know, I'm not going to mention their name, but, you know, because they don't give me money yet uh, that, you know, it's putting up, you know, we got a victor this week, LFA, so many of these things. I think uh, on PFL, just to give a quick shout out, I was speaking with Martian right before, you know, I think I'm going to take Wade uh, there. You know, I'm already on Hamlet for, for a good for a good bit. Um, and I think there's a little bit of value up and down that card. So, you know, for you guys that are capping these fights, like definitely take a look at that PFL card. Although, you know, it's PFL is a crapshoot with their freaking judges. So be careful. Don't lay too much juice and all. Um, and yeah, you know, I think a lot of these fights that we were picking uh, this week, you know, there's no this is the thing with the UFC, man. If you have good picks overall, uh, you know, there's three ways. Just to, the last thing I will say, three ways you guys win money on MMA, man. You have better picks, you get better prices, and you tighten up your uh, your sizing on it. So you know that focus on that. You know, get those good prices, and uh, you know, and I think you know the picks that we're we're giving out. I think are, are you know leans were you know were uh, on here are pretty solid. So you know, do your part, and I think you'll make money. Yeah, great points there, Ozzy. And uh, that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Uh, a lot of MMA on this weekend. Hope you all can make some profit and uh, tail some picks for, for some cash. And I uh, hope you all enjoy the card this weekend. We'll see you all before the next UFC card. Thanks for listening.